And welcome to the Hive Poetry Collective. I am Farnaz Fatimi, and you're listening to 90.7 KSQD-FM in Santa Cruz, also at ksqd.org. And I'm really happy to be here tonight for the Hive, talking to Lucian Madison, who is a U.S.-Argentinian poet and translator. He is the author of three books of poetry, Reaper's Peregrine, Re sorry, Reaper's Peregrine Nation and Curare just released from CNR Press. And Curare is the book we will be talking to Lucian about, which I'm really excited about. Um, just also, he, Lucian won the Puerta del Sol Poetry Prize, and he has published poetry, short fiction, and translations. And he is also an associate editor of poetry for Barrel House. Thank you so much for being here and welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, I'm excited to be here and excited to chat. Great. Um, I, I, Lucian is a local. He is currently now in Mountain View, so right nearby, and we're hoping to see him in person sometime. Um, I, let me give listeners a little bit of sense of this book. Um, just from the, the book jacket, Lucian Ma Madison's poetry collection, Curare, is a work about remembering our humanity in the face of the destabilizing and dehumanizing forces of technology, climate change, and capitalism. And from Tim Seibels, the author of Fast Animal, Tim says, it is hard to resist being drawn into the crucible of his sharp juxtapositions, which bring us back to attention, the way slamming on their, the brakes snaps us out of the daily stupor of traffic. Given where we are, wondering the aftermath of a de deadly pandemic and watching the horrors of a war just begun, these are the poems that we need, pressing us to ask, what have we won that doesn't hurt us? And those last are directly from the book. Um, by the time you guys are all listening to this, the book will be out and congratulations. Um, it's Thank you so very much. exciting. Yes, yeah. super excited. Um, well, so after all this talk about you, I, I like listeners to start with just a, getting a sense of your work, and then we'll start talking um, about it. So Sounds good. You know, great. Yeah, I'm going to start off by reading a poem called Different Gravity. Um, and, uh, you know, it's one of those poems that was inspired by being on a beach one day. <clears throat> Different Gravity. Curl of a wave. Entireties swallowed, swell after swell. I'm in a giant nervous body of water. A step into surf, an oyster blade, something alive. A claw squeezes, hurts just enough that I pull up my foot as if from hot metal. On one crab's back, the ocean transforms into one giant organism. Seafloor crawling with segmented legs, each crustacean a wandering nerve ending, me a neural fire in the axon, a dull pain stood on two feet. Up to my chest in the endless, careless steps amid the toss, I jar this moonwalk, one more animal leaving its feet in a different gravity. Pelicans splash into chopped wake, 
Wings spread, the birds beat air, a brief violence before folding into a bobbing drop of oil on the water's warming surface. A whole world of warnings follow this smooth curve. A globe will eventually come to rest after the disorder of us. The ebb tide rubs away the shell's edge. I put my foot down again onto the wet sheet of universe, the broken pieces of life preceding me, millions atop more millions at once underfoot. Thank you. Thank you. That was Lucian Madison, if you were just tuning in, reading Different Gravity from his book, Curare. Um, I I wanted to start with this book because, well, it does that thing that Tim Seibels was talking about, the juxtapositions of, of image and also idea from image to image. And I think that's just happening all the way through your your book. Um, but really, there's this, um, this is a poem... Okay, well, not only I'm also partial because I've lived by the coast my entire life, so um, I, I was so familiar. But it's it's a poem in which there's a sense of the individual among many many creatures, and there are many creatures in this book, <laughs> um, and so I feel like that's that's it reflects that teeming of the book so well and so um that's part that is one of the reasons i sort of invited you to start with that yeah i appreciate that and you know i think this book is full of animals as you noted yeah. <laughs> and uh you know you know animals are just great are great metaphors all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah th that um i feel like yes there's so much you 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 help us see them help us see other things through them but you also i think to, to your credit, keep uh, genuinely appreciating them as them and not yes. sit, not just the metaphor. Um, and so, and that's just really comes through. Um, I, I also love the, um, the sense of the human. I mean, I appreciate the sense of the human destruction that's mm -hmm. in this poem. That's also scattered through the book. And I wondered, um, I wondered how you felt about that, just sort of if you have anything to say about that in terms of this poem and making the poem about yep. uh, being a body on the beach, stepping on things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, totally. So that, you know, this poem kind of started in a place where, you know, it was it was about stepping on something that I thought was not alive and then being woken up to it, being like, oh, my gosh, no, this is an animal that I just... I've put, put my foot on and it, it was like, and it reminded me that, you know, the whole world underneath us is a living, breathing thing, you know, and inside on top of this little crab is when this moment kind of, you know, it, it's a moment we all are aware of all the time, but when you're just kind of brought to that tiny little moment where it, you know, it reminds us of it again, you know, that's, that's what I really wanted to kind of uh, base mm -hmm. this poem around. Mm -hmm. And and then the inevitable kind of leads into, you know, what, who are we compared to this, right? What is our effect on it, right? I stepped on this poor creature, right? And, um, and I started seeing this creature as almost like one of the earth's many, many nerve endings, right? <laughs> you know, and I'm, and I'm putting a little bit of pain on it, right? Mm -hmm. And, and then it, that, you know, it leads naturally into, you know, you know, the kind of the ripple effect, you know, these different waves of of uh of consequences 
about us being here right mm-hmm. um and how you know we're 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 kind of you know just floating on top of this like giant you know tossing mess right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it feels like yeah like and i think that's kind of where the poem's title comes from right it's just this different mm. place right and we inhabit this different place um and we have a different relationship to it and and in the world's view you know it has a whole different set of rules it has a whole set, just a different reality from us yes in a whole different gravity of like everything right yeah <laughs> And I think the end of it really captures that at some level of the um the way that we're here and um but we're also just we're also s- somewhat insignificant despite the great damage that right caused but that I put my foot down on again onto the wet sheet of universe the broken pieces of life preceding me millions and top more millions at once underfoot and and there's a sense of millions coming after me as well like there's a sense <laughs> of that it, that tininess and the yeah. and it's big yeah i think yeah. it seems important to the poem um, yeah yeah and I, I just really also love the idea that you know our the sand we stand on you know it all used to be different organisms it all used to be different things and you know if you want to look at it at such a granular level like you can right uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and this is all life and pieces of life that kind of you know are are, mm-hmm. are evolving and shifting and changing shape all the time as we will right <laughs> yeah. well I, like i said i think there's a an aesthetic in the book that um of life being not just just every alive thing or or once alive thing <laughs> <laughs> and it's not it life is more than the individual human and i mean yeah. that's that sounds trite to say it that way, but it's so much more important in this book that, that that's happening. Um, can you, can you talk to us about your, your first encounters with reading poetry and, and maybe with writing poetry? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I kind of came to the poetry, uh, uh, world a little late. Um, I was never a big reader when I was growing up. Um, I wasn't particularly good at school, you know, like, uh, but it wasn't until I went to college that I kind of started to kind of rearrange priorities and, um, Mm. and, you know, like, you know, I started reading more when I was in my senior year of high school, Mm -hmm. you know, I started reading those, you know, classic, you know, teenage, you know, angst books where we got Kurt Vonnegut and Philip Roth and, you know, those kinds of authors. And, uh, and and then it kind of worked into reading more rich and you know uh you know different kinds of books that were not just about you know the the cynicism and kind of sarcasm and you know certain things where you're more prone to attach to them early on um and when it came to poetry it wasn't until like my uh, junior year of college i was almost finishing out uh, i was i knew i was doing an english degree and then I took a workshop with a a poet and Joyce scholar named Brandon Kirshner. Um, And he was kind of the guy who just kind of turned me on to uh, poems as, you know, contemporary expressive things. I'd always seen them as maybe something. I was never taught poems as to be something that was current contemporary and something Mm. value as now. Like there was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if all these old dudes are writing poems. Um, 
Um, so, you know, he kind of turned my eye toward reading contemporary poetry and, um, and I got off, I started off, I started off with some weird ones like John Berryman and, um, just reading some like more confessional stuff, um, like Sylvia Plath and things like that. And then, um, and then I started getting into more, I think, uh, the more like spiritual and quiet realm to some extent as well. Mm. Um, and, you know, just finding admiration in like Lee Young Lee and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, and then, and then finally kind of leading to one of my favorite poets currently, which is kind of, I think where I get a lot of my influence these days, which is Ross Gay. Like mm. he's a maximalist and imagist, you know, and uh it's kind of where I go as well as more into the maximal stacking images right I want the images to speak right I don't want to speak for them um and you know it's my duty as a poet as a craftsman to arrange them in a way so I don't necessarily have to explain what they do all the time mm -hmm. right they can they can mm -hmm. live in their own world right mm -hmm. um and hopefully people have a deeper more genuine experience of it because I'm not telling them what to think right I want mm -hmm. them to just touch it with their own hands, be there, um, feel something, right? And mm -hmm. and then get that deeper kind of connection to it because you you start to bring your own associations into it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of, I think, uh, I don't know where this question started, but... Yeah, that's <laughs> Actually, it's it's a great it's a great segue to the next poem that we're going to hear from you. Um, but I'm going to take a moment to let our listeners know you are listening to KSQD 90.7 FM in Santa Cruz. And I am Farnaz Fatimi with the Hive Poetry Collective. And my guest tonight is Lucian Madison. And we're listening to poems from his brand new book, Curare. And um I'm really excited uh, about this book. Um, so we're gonna we we're gonna hear another poem now, um, if you wouldn't mind. Which again, I think I think really speaks right into that what your description of what you you want to be doing with your poems. So if if you wouldn't mind reading Basement, yeah, absolutely. All right, um, yeah. This next poem is called Basement, um, and I wrote it when I was in D.C. Uh, so. Oh. Uh, more of a, a different kind of landscape. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Basement. Sometimes it's like the couple above dropped a handful of marbles of all sizes on the floor. Pieces of their universe expand and roll on my ceiling, radiate from a wooden singular point, a heel strikes linoleum accompanied by clicks of untrimmed dog nails. The animal barks incessantly, dumbest dog alive tethered to the kitchen overhead like a balloon in the wind. I try not to hate this animal, pointless as it is, by no fault of its own. It whines neglect among muffled arguments, frustration and ungreased pulley climbing and descending musical scales. After dinner, there is sleep. Morning presses down coffee grounds lodged in the gaps of teeth. I rise 12 feet below them as if from the grave, mouth agape, here with the occasional cricket, house centipede, spider, sleep rolled away from the eyes like heavy granite. The unmade bed is a swirl of flattened blades of grass, damp under upturned stone. 
I recognize the darkness that surrounds their absence above, cold out for a stroll before light, rats tire smashed in the alleyway and frozen over, walking atop the ice flat of blood and water. I am still so young, and what plays out above me is tired, frightening. A skeleton folds over itself at the foot of the mausoleum's door after days of beating a stone. I keep a quartered orange in my mouth, teeth penned on my nutrition. I don't want desperation to bead on the windows, to work until death, live inside the creaks of a ghost's footsteps overhead, another read-through of scripted roles at the round table, eyes awash in the early hours. I'm already handing over every last cent to this city. So, death keeps demanding, nickel clink in her pocket, as if she walks just beyond the basement wall, the soil parting for her like curtains. Well, I... I am I'm I'm really noticing in this poem um that young the young narrator um mm -hmm. who occupies his basement um it's quite the scene set like the for me the poem is really powerful in that scene setting that entire space that basement mm -hmm. space and the pondering of of impending death by somebody <laughs> very young um but it's it's completely believable that that he's doing that um he and and he's really i say he i'm because i'm sorry <laughs> but um what motive he's thinking about what motivates a life um and avoiding that i love that desperation beating on the windows and that's mm. for the readers b-e-a-d-i-n-g but it's a lovely <laughs> homonym there mm. um desperation beating on the windows but but also there's this um this is empathy for the dog tethered to its place that he has. Um, and really just this, this like looking at the, at, the, at a life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very smart uh, view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I love to use a dog as a, as, as a, an image in this book. I think um, it, they keep popping up. It wasn't something that came by choice, um, but you know, they are, um they are kind of our they've grown up alongside us this like animal that's become part of us right mm -hmm. and and you know we we have all these kinds of different relationships to these this animal and stuff and and in this case you know uh you know you start to kind of identify with like this animal that's kind of being left behind right or or mm -hmm. tethered to some place or you know uh yeah, just yeah. existing <laughs> alongside, right? Yes, and and it that's very much the he is the 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 human. It's a metaphor for the human predicament, but also just the animal predicament as well. Which I, yeah. as I said, I think you you balance those really uh, consistently. You know, throughout the book, that's happening. But very much, I I'm like, oh, that poor that dog. Yeah. <laughs> And and it's lovely that the speaker says, I try not to hate this animal, pointless it is it as it is by no fault of its own. Um very powerful and early in the poem. Um, the other thing I really just appreciated about this poem was the um the sound, the and I don't mean in, now in terms of the language, but really the marbles, the heel clicks, the dog nails, the 
the whining, the musical mm. scales that are referred to is especially in the first page of this poem, there's a ton, there's a lot of that sound. And I, I'm, I'm curious whether, what, whether you were thinking about that again, in terms of that setting a scene, which again, like I said, I think is a powerful part of this poem, this space, this basement that has all those sounds. Um, can you talk yeah. about the making of this poem and, and were you conscious of that and revising it? Yes, uh, I definitely can. Uh, so, you know, I think, people who've lived, you know, in basements or in apartments with thin walls, you know, we are very familiar with like the, the uh, array and crazy, like different sounds that surround us at all times in these spaces. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this was no exception, this apartment that I was in where they had this, you know, a whole family upstairs. Right. And, uh, and, you know, it never, never like really truly affected my sleep or anything, but I could almost like hear, so much of their life just kind of happening above me when I was at home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, we met them a few times, but, you know, they weren't the friendliest people either. Right? <laughs> so, um, and maybe they were just, you know, worried because, you know, we we're just a couple of, you know, you know, mid 20 guys living underneath them. Right. Uh, but, you know, it was like, yeah, I think that's the, the, the poem started in sound. Right. Mm. Um, and also the sound of something above you. I think mm. is kind of an important aspect of this where, you know, being, you know, being, and I don't want to get too far from the poem itself, but like being uh, raised in, in more like, you know, you know, Catholic kind of home as a kid, mm. right. You're always, you know, told to like, look at the sky, regard mm. the sky, what's above mm. you. Right. And here we have a whole different kind of like, you know, experience of it where, uh, you know, the thing that's happening above you is much more real, much more, uh, like palpable, mm. you know, sensible and like also a little depressing. You yes. know? <laughs> like, yes. uh, so I think, you know, to some extent that, you know, that sound kind of from mm. above had a, an interesting kind of resonance to me. And that's, I think why, you know, we kind of start going to the, like the, the, the grave, Yes. and ground right uh because there is that kind of association with afterlife of what is above right mm. uh, things like that um and you know these when composing the poem i wasn't necessarily thinking about those kinds of resonances at first right right i think our brains are way smarter than we are and <laughs> yeah. you know, like we're we were like oh i love this noise and I'm, i want to write about my experience of this thing and all of a sudden you know in the back of your brain something else is something. happening where it's like yeah this thread is here and we have to like find you're these gonna threads. deal with this yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That is so true. Well, I was I was um, going to ask you, you've answered it specifically about this poem, but I was going to ask you, too, what brings on a poem, what drives you to write poems? Is there mm. anything that sort of that you can say about that? Yeah. Um, you know, like like many, you know, poets will say it's always like a compulsion. Right. Um, you not everything is meaningful and not everything that should be seem meaningful is always that meaningful to you but then when there's some smaller things or some specific things that for some reason just stick in mm -hmm. your head right and you're like I need to write to that for some reason right mm -hmm. and uh or toward it or around it or, but in yep. some way right addressing it and and I don't think I ever go into a poem thinking like, oh, I know where this poem's going. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, all right, let's start. Let's let's uh focus on this thing that 
has captured my attention mm-hmm. that my brain has made a little post-it note and stuck on it saying like this might be meaningful right and I'm like okay cool that one um and it's just you know you start writing toward that and in this case I think it was a lot of sound that really made its way to the forefront right mm-hmm. um and particularly yeah you know there was like this very strange I could not even figure out what this sound was it literally sounded what I described like it sounded like they would eventually just drop a bunch of I guess it was the kids but just marbles stuff just like rolling everywhere on the floor and I was like what is this <laughs> but, and it sounded like this expansion of like a universe or something above my head you know it was an interesting like stuff like just a whole bunch of interesting stuff going on up there they had no idea I'm sure that they were feeding a poem right <laughs> right they would have found like uh, different size measuring cups right <laughs> The books and they would have pulled other yeah they would have moved the ping pong table inside the house <laughs> <laughs> you want a poem here's a poem oh yeah we <laughs> <laughs> that's great well thank you thank you for that i um i would like to hear next a poem that i think is uh, a partner to this and not it isn't next to it in the book at all but it's it's a little bit later and that is butcher mm. um and I'd love to talk about that after. Yeah, that. for sure, for sure. So uh, this poem, yeah, it's a different kind of tone. I think you know, I try to vary the tone in this book a little bit. Um, uh, you know, inevitably things get a little serious. I think, but you know, that's it's just yeah. the nature of the beast, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so yeah, this uh, this is called Butcher. A desk job turns me into a domed cake where before I tapped glass with a fingernail, always on the outside. How delicious, expensive. Look how I've outdone the expectations I had set for my absurd self, now able to pay rent without skipping meals. I've had time to develop these new life goals. Buy jamonero for the kitchen counter, loaded with a home-cured ham, ham knife for the serrano ham, Skills enough to slice ham, paper thin with one hand. More ham goals. Gout. Hosting a ham-themed party. Different hams in the ham closet. Artisanal ham-curing dirt pit in the backyard. Dying penniless. The brain is a monster with many aspirations, massaged into his creases with a carving knife. I consume my sadness at the expense of another's life, and only bat an eyelash if it begins to walk on two legs. I understand my privilege allows me to wear a cake dome as a helmet while stargazing on Mars. So I think I'm happy, but I want to abandon a security for a new career path curing meats, new ham goals, use ham leg to kick ball into back of net, consult shaman about ham souls and curare, raise a ham from the dead, teach ham knife skills, hire ham to hang me from a rope, in a cool room so I retain moisture and receive proper ventilation. The ham asks the necromancer which professions we consider virtuous, a life dedicated to curing humans over the keyboard. Not so bad. Knife held above the neck. It's not the act of cutting away the body that is noble. It's the butcher. He who cleans the blood from the blade folds a neat package in his namesake paper. Thank you. That was Lucian Madison reading to us from the poem Butcher. Um, 
<laughs> you know, yeah, I I laugh and I cry in this poem. <laughs> uh, a bit of a weird one. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly a different tone for sure. Um, and and in the in contrast to the young uh, young eye in basement, the eye here can pay rent without skipping meals. I mean, he's right. he's sort of arrived. <laughs> he can have <laughs> he can have hobby, hobbies that are artisanal. Right. Right. Hilarious um, from the outset, but very self-aware, right? There's this kind of um, understanding, like I'm in this place, I get to do these create these absurd things, right. <laughs> and then and then and just bring it all on, like give me gout, let me right. have party. Um, but really, the way that that consumption um, or bearing of sadness, I think, needs all of this, all of it needs the needs the hand the skills needs the gout needs the dirt pit needs right. my penniless i mean it still made me laugh every time but it's also very serious the that kind of embrace yeah. of all of it um so i'm i just knowing knowing the title of the book mm-hmm. <laughs> and having it appear here at in part as the the curing of meat i just mm. i wanted to pay some attention to this um poem yeah yeah (laughs) and um i'm i'm curious really if you want to talk about um the end of the poem which is the ham where the ham asks the necromancer which (laughs) professions we consider virtuous a life dedicated to curing humans over the keyboard not so bad knife held above the neck it's not the act of cutting away the body that is noble. It's the butcher. He who cleans the blood from the blade folds a neat package in his namesake paper. And just this self-reflection of wondering about curing humans, which is like, which is drying them out. And it's both curing and drying <laughs> right. them out, which doesn't seem that promising. So I, you don't have to address, you don't have to talk about it because we can let the poem stand. But if you have things you want to say about that language of, yeah yeah Uh, no absolutely so you know the the title you know i i I settled on it because it has a lot of weird you know resonances in different places um and you know the the title itself stems from you know i I did i went on a little uh i read this book about uh it was called tales of a shaman's apprentice um and it was about you know scientists kind of going out in the rainforest and um trying to you know, make sure that these shamans don't go essentially extinct because of the forces of capitalism and, you know, cutting down forests and and just removing homes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, and and they were always searching for this, this uh, arrow poison, this, the recipe for it, um, called curare. And it was, it refers to many different, it's not just one thing, it's a kind of Mm -hmm. like a, it can be many things. And, uh, and, you know, like this idea that poisons and cures are all kind of just, you know, they kind of are very related and are more about dosage, um, mm. you know, something that can be uh, a medicine and then just as easily be toxic, right? Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, the, I, I think that's kind of where I was going. And then with the curing of meats, right? Like the, the initial goal of this poem was like, I just wanted to... Uh, kind of talk about excess 
right? And our relationship to excess and our relationship to our con like a constant consuming. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to use the word ham as many times as possible <laughs> in like a poem, right? <laughs> and just see how it went. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just kind of let it go from there. And um, I started thinking about like, yeah, what, it, what makes what we do meaningful? And then, you know, as a result, you know, because we're working to consume essentially in so many ways, uh, you know, what is noble about that or, or having some kind of profession to fuel that, right? Where, yeah. you know, the speaker, like you said previously in this poem, was probably struggling to pay rent, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and did not really have like too much money, right? And then being able to have a, st a stable job, right? Just kind of like being like, okay, now my priorities are changing and things mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, what is, what is, and it, is this even more, is this meaningful? Is this more noble that mm -hmm. I am able to like take care of myself and those around me a little better? Um, or is it just, you know, am I still just blindly consuming and using my money in that way? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it's a tough relationship, right. Mm -hmm. uh, and you want to reward the idea of work, right. Mm -hmm. The idea of work is important. The like have a good work ethic is important. Being good at what you do is important, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know, I kind of wanted to like honor the title of the butcher yeah. um as someone performing meaningful work, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not the it's not the most beautiful work. It's not it's not work some people even like, right? Yeah. A lot yeah. of people would object to it. Um, but um you know, it, it, but it is still a profession and it's one that, you know, has its own nobility to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, because it is the relationship to the body in some way. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you can't help but see, you know, yourself in those creatures that we consume as well. Right. Like we're all related in some way. Right. And and here's this person who's like has a, a, a strange and intimate relationship with a body right uh yeah. which is a butcher yeah so Thank yeah kind you. Of, that's kind of where it was going I, I don't know if i answered too many questions oh no no <laughs> it's great i appreciate that you did that you're willing to um thank you it certainly um and i and it actually adds something to the way i i, I would go back to re reading this book um especially interesting was that um the potion that can be deadly or or helpful like that balance um mm -hmm. which you don't ever explicitly do address in this poem but mm -hmm. thinking about it that way <laughs> right as it's under the poem for sure <laughs> yeah 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 and then also you know just one last little comment about this sure. poem is i i went through a big phase where i all i wanted to do was like eat serrano ham for a while <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> like I this is like and I was like I wonder if I could buy my own like it never even occurred to me that that was an option that I could buy my own ham right and have it at my house if I wanted to right right and and of course it's an absurd goal and it's extravagant to do that and the, the space needed to even hold a ham would be very stupid right <laughs> so like you know just have entertaining these kind of silly thoughts and seeing where my brain goes right yeah <laughs> Uh, but I'm sure it happens. I mean, I'm sure there's yeah. both the dirt pit and the space for the ham. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> totally.
You're listening to the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD 90.7 FM in Santa Cruz. I'm Farnas Fatimi and my guest is Lucian Madison and we're talking about poems from his book Curare. Well, let's hear another poem, shall we? Um, how, how about As Light? Sure. <clears throat> All right, so this is As Light. Flecks of starlings peck pieces from a fried wing on the asphalt by the driver's side door. A black tourniquet of beaks in a church lot. They tug skin, gorge themselves on bird. I tie the yellow warning flag above the knee of a discarded church pew. Bulk of weight like legs hung out the back of my pickup truck. A row of seats given new life on my living room floor. My guests are a banquet of feet during a party. The area rug, this dusty wooden kneeler. At night, I recline nude on its long cushion a figure study in blasphemy. I make it a point to have sex on its length because it saddens me as much as it, is, as it excites. It took this much drift to see God was always the drunk driver. He was night, then crumpled chastity and rubber streaks on pavement, lights on, the houses on the block watch an accident with open windows. He's the harrowing of birds, orb of flock against the skyline, curling black helices and spheres of starlings. They murmur meaning out of collective movement, the loss of life and self. I rest my head on the deadened shoulder of the divine to fall asleep and my arm goes numb. The rib cage puffs out before angel wings are placed on a wooden beam and amputated. It's what I want to feel, something between feathers and abandon, something as light as baked loaves in a basket against all these odds. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this, um, there's such surprise in this poem for me. Um, I guess first in the, the way that the, the speaker's really pleased with the blasphemy, the, the breaking <laughs> of rules, um, mm -hmm. early on, um, and the sort of willful, the willful rebellion um, of that. But then then really the way that the, the turn um, takes us towards a, a, a kind of spirituality um, that under everything, the speaker's looking for light against all these odds. Um, and that when the arm goes numb and there's that, that lifting off, <laughs> it's just, a, it's, a, it's a lovely ending. Um, appreciate that thank you yeah and so and I and I noticed that the other thing is just the way um God appears as the as the drunk driver God is these things not did not make these things happen God yeah. God was night and and the the accident and the birds and the flock um it's quite quite noticeable <laughs> quite <Yeah>. startling <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. yeah um you know the the uh poem you know it, it 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 started in a strange place just because uh you know I used to live in this house that was mostly you know I lived with a roommate and uh 
you know, it was we were poets in the program, and my roommate would have these these parties where you would have guests in our living room who would play shows and one day we just found a church a discarded church pew on the side of the road and we just mm. two of them actually and we brought them into the house and we mm. would have our, our guests sit on the church pews <laughs> while it, like some people performed in the living room and mm. uh it was it was just such a it was like a repurposing of something from my past mm. from both of our past actually um, where, you know, we were both raised religious. We were both raised to kneel on these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, or in front of them, I should say. And, uh, and we kind of found a new way to use them. Like, uh, where this other outdated idea of, of what we had, this other outdated relationship we had with it mm -hmm. now is finding a new kind of yeah. meaning. And it's a weird one, right? It's not one that's, you know, straightforward. Yeah right it's it's kind of complicated and and strange right um because we ourselves as humans are complicated and strange right we make <laughs> these things happen <laughs> right <laughs> um so yeah that's it's kind of where this poem went and then you know the 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 idea of collective thought and movement right and finding another way to find that that different kind of uh um congregation right mm. um where this is not a congregation of people uh believing in something this is a it's a different kind of thing you know we have people coming together to listen to music we have mm. birds we have violent images even sometimes right mm -hmm. and people observing right mm. uh, and and yeah and, and there's some kind of collective meaning built out of all of us existing together and witnessing the same things right um and experiencing things right uh and it almost feels more meaningful right that mm. this community can be found in in not just what is moral and what is you know uh you know going in some direction that you know has its own purpose right yeah um, yeah, yeah that's... An agenda yeah. Mm -hmm. and it is it, it's a well it's this turning to this object of God, but then, as you said, it's a completely repurposing of the object. Um, it's so surprising. And yet, yeah, the meaning is there. And I feel like it's very earned that feeling of lightness as light as baked loaves. Mm. It's, it's, you've really reached that by the, by the end. Um, yeah. I thank you so much for sharing this poem. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. We, I, I, I know this is your third book, um, mm -hmm. and so I, I wanted to ask just about about putting it together. Um, what, well, what drove you to it, and but also if you if there's anything you're thinking about in terms of working on a, a book now that you'd like to share with listeners, now that you've done it three times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't consider myself any wiser when it comes to putting a book together, even <laughs> after the third one. Uh -huh. uh, I think it's still, you know, there, I, you know, there are things that I did a little more purposeful in this book. I think, mm -hmm. in terms of structure overall. Mm -hmm. um, where you know I retitled poems to kind of fit in a in a in a more sequenced narrative, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you know I, I I just kind of I feel like in this book more often than not I was looking more for uh, resonance uh, between images to 
in poems to connect them, um, even if they weren't really related poems, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but they shared some kind of element or some kind of string or, you know, something awesome. that connected them, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and, and also like just paying attention to trying to vary tone. I know this book can get a little like heavy at the front, I think, and then kind of gets a little lighter a bit, mm -hmm. you know, you know, toward the second half. Um, so I wanted to make sure that we do have, you know, more notes being present, I think, in the book. Mm -hmm. So that's something that I'm always considering, I think, mm. is having a different kind of tone mm -hmm. in between poems and stuff. Um, and, and yet just trying not to be as dreadfully serious all the time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> not that that's a bad thing, right? No, it's every, you know, you yeah. earn your keep right yeah and you if something needs to be that way then it needs to be that way right yeah. um yeah but yeah like that's something that I'm, I'm thinking of, I feel mm -hmm. about when I put together a book I think mm -hmm. is making it a little giving it some uh some uh just variance in, in its in how it functions right um but uh yeah yeah, you get the, yeah. I think you know the first this book came alive because of poems that were related to climate change and technology and our relationships to technology in some mm -hmm. ways mm -hmm. um, and consumption. So mm -hmm. those were kind yeah. of like the main drivers. So I knew that's where the poems that work together in that way could exist. And surprisingly about this book for me too, was I was able to bring poems back from that I wrote maybe like eight years ago into uh -huh. the fold because they were touching on those themes, but didn't uh -huh. fit in other books. Right. right. Um, so, you know, like there's this one poem I have that I wrote called, you know, like uh, after burning down my hoarder uncle's house. Right. I, I was just like, you know, this kind of thought experiment back in, you know, back in like 2013 that I wrote this poem and I was like, this actually kind of fits, you know, yeah. it didn't, and you know, and it, it fits with the ideas that I'm going for here. And, what is our relationship to consumption and collection of items and mm -hmm. existence, right? Mm -hmm. um, and bringing that person out, right, of of this headspace of these are things that I need, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah like it, that was the surprising part of this book for me was I was able to do that with multiple poems. I, mm. you know, so they were, you know, a, a nice collection of new and older. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You, um, if one writes long enough you realize there are things that you keep going back that you can't stop obsessing about and you don't think of them as obsessions necessarily, but they are because they're, they're yours and that's great. It's as it should be, but then yeah. it's a lovely, when you're paying attention as you clearly are to the, to the book and what it's asking for, you can mm -hmm. say, Oh, I'm here's some, here are some things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like oh, this one, this one is doing something for yeah. it. Right. It's in, yeah. it's in It's making the experience more rich. I yeah. think without just making it longer. Right. right. We don't want to do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, that's lovely. Um, well, it, so you again segued very very naturally to the um to the last poem I want to ask you about, which yeah. invokes technology a little more than some of the other poems we've heard today. Yes. Um and so it's great to to have it. Um and this is from there's a sequence of poems through the book called Clouds in brackets and then another title. Um so there's these cloud poems. I can't I don't know how many there are. Do you do you know? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't. Um, but I think there's probably around like six or seven. Right. 
No. So that's just so, and they're scattered throughout. They frame the book in a way, and I, I would love to talk about that maybe after you read the poem. Um, yeah, for sure. And and um, again, it's the very last poem in the book. This this particular clouds is the mm. last poem in the entire book. Clouds. If there is a god, I am becoming it more and more every day. If there is a god, it is benevolent. A face lit by the present, tense, documenting. I hold reality as it unspools from a warmen in my palm. I hold everything. I pocket everything. I feel stunted without everything. Communion with the nearest cell tower, a thin signal crossing the blood-brain barrier. We watch from afar, the theater of world recorded, even carrying their own cameras. Officers do the unspeakable, unapologetic, like gods. We hold the suffocating and caged in our hands, replay so much untouchable violence floats over a country through us like a heavy mist. Though it smells of poison, there is a cure within it. We will document this world into submission until it eventually feels real again. Soon enough, the clouds will hold everyone accountable. And that is their only promise. That was Lucian Madison reading Clouds from his brand new book, Curare. And thank you for that. Um, as we, as I said, this is the way the book ends. Um, and the clouds will hold everyone accountable. And that is their only promise. And I, I mean, I read it at just, personally is this electronic cloud as holder of documents and um mm -hmm. the cloud above is one one version of the 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 interpretation for that word um and and that will hold us accountable um so there's a kind of um uh a disaster <laughs> and, and um a reckoning also i think um it's not it's ambival I'm ambivalent <laughs> about you know what what where where that will take us, but, sure. uh, yeah. but that certainly seems at the heart of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, totally. This, uh, I mean, you, you are spot on with like the idea of like this uh, of of clouds, like digital clouds storing all of all of this information, right? And it's invisible, and it's everywhere, and you know, it's ever present and with us at all times right? In some way, right? We all hold our, our devices with us. We, we document things. We're constantly, you know, we're, we're making this world completely like digital in its own way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, or it could be like experienced digitally. Um, mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I think that's, you know, relating to how we will move forward with this, right? No one, no one knows how these things are going to hurt us or benefit us as we develop them and integrate them completely into our lives. Right. We're, we're all just our own, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a new concept. We're all just kind of doing the Guinea pig thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we're, we're okay with it. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, I, I, I didn't, I do feel like I am optimistic of it because while it is, you know, the idea of like having everything at our fingertips and so much information and being able to see things more clearly, um, even though there's all kinds of 
you know, strange fake stuff out there as well, right? Um, that we need to uh, be wary of. Like this, this cloud is kind of like a collective consciousness, right? Like it's a, it's like that thing we were all hoping for that we all can reference, that we all can like know, right? And be connected through that. It, it was kind of getting into that territory because I was like, you know, people have always been wondering what that is, right? Mm. And and here we have this strange example of of <laughs> it, right? right. <laughs> Which no one wanted, really, right? Yeah. But we did. Yeah. At the same we made time. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and I feel like it is capable of holding us accountable for what we're doing, mm. right? Mm-hmm. We are able to document and 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 get evidence for our own decline and see it real time right um (laughs) and people ignore it even when they know that even when they're filming it themselves you know it's wild uh but someday you know that's you know like i i I have faith that we're moving into something that's better not worse Mm -hmm. right even though it sometimes always feels like we're moving towards something worse Mm -hmm. um uh, you know that's and this is where the title the kind of the book kind of comes from right where there's something that is possible and positive out of what we're developing and producing uh but it also can kill us right mm-hmm. <laughs> if we do it wrong uh-huh. <laughs> you know uh so yeah i think that's, that's where this poem's kind of functioning and 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 holding us as you know as uh, as authors of our own fate and even though these things feel far away and strange and um, unintended, we are, we are still at the helm, you know, uh, in some way. I guess there's a reason you're a writer. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we hope we have control. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and, the, and what about the, what about clouds as the series? Do you want to um, speak yeah. to that? Yeah, you know, like I, I, I was writing these different poems that kind of featured phones and carrying around our own, you know, computers and stuff and being connected to information and how, you know, a lot of us, a lot of like people feel less comfortable, you know, with not knowing things these days right? Where, mm-hmm. yes. you know, people want to be informed. They want to be at the front of everything. They want to be able to answer anything. And, you know, we have all this means to do so. We have an extensive, we have an extended brain, essentially. Right. We're capable of doing that, right? Um, and, you know, that's, the, with those poems, I wanted to unite them under that banner mm-hmm. of, like, we are carrying so much uh, memory and self and projected self and all other kinds of garbage as well <laughs> with us you know you know there's some another poem in there where I kind of wanted to reference like the absurdity of the things that we remember and we have with us right where you know while you know we, we have in auto insurance ads and you know these YouTube videos of a Jurassic Park theme being played on a terrible recorder and this is alongside something also very important though right uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's still populated by so much strangeness right yeah. which echoes the hoarding of your, yeah, of your uncle's totally. house yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> indeed indeed yeah and then also just kind of feeling a little lost within it i think mm-hmm. that's important to acknowledge mm-hmm. is that while we you know a lot of 
a lot of us are uncomfortable with not knowing. We don't know anything about this, right? And we're all kind of hovering in it. And we have to, you know, if we're going to, you know, <laughs> we're going to experience it and uh, uh, and get through it, you know, we have to be uh, conscious of it. And, but we also have to like, trust that like, you know, us hovering in it without knowing is, is, you know, like part of the process for a while. I think, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't mm -hmm. think we can understand what's going to happen yet. Right. And mm -hmm. we have to be okay with that discomfort to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, not knowing where we're going. Uh, because, you know. Also spoken like a poet, but I think that's <laughs> what we need poetry for. I mean, that is what we learn from, from poetry more than anything is that sense of that, be, will uh, ability to be in discomfort that sort mm -hmm. of embrace of it yeah yeah and it's such an important part about like you know uh of of writing our poems right is mm -hmm. you know we don't want to shy away from anything we want to we want to hit things head on but we you know we don't want to like uh we don't want to like do any oh do anything over the you know overly pointed and prescriptive and stuff right it's, uh, yeah because that's not yeah. real <laughs> right right so we just need to like acknowledge the genuine experience that we're having and that's and some of those experiences are painful ones mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and we won't really know what they mean to us until we just engage them more mm -hmm. well thank you for your book which i which really does that and um <laughs> and um and I hope I will be putting in the show notes the links to your website and to purchase the book Karare oh, from CNR Press. Yeah. And congratulations again. Thank um, you. Thank you. My, appreciate it. Yeah. So my guest was Lucian Madison. Um, and I I really appreciate you being here tonight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, it's uh it's been a pleasure and it's it's fun to chat. Yeah.